Welcome to Heartland Church. It is our prayer that as you listen to the following message, you would experience the heart of God for your life. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Now, let's join this week's service already in progress. Uh, Pastor Christopher is one of my personal heroes, and I sincerely mean that. And specifically because of who he is before the Lord in the secret place. Uh, I don't know, just hear my heart, I don't personally know anybody that does that more consistently and faithful than he does. And I want to honor that today because when he gets up to share every time, there's a depth that comes out of the word of God because of his history with God. And I so appreciate his heart and just being before the Lord and his, his desire to maintain his first love. Christopher, you do that so well, and I just honor for you in that. And I just, I, I just want to take a moment to point that out because that means so much. And so we have the privilege today of receiving for somebody that we know really well, but let's do him a favor and honor him today as he comes. Christopher, come on up, buddy. We love you. We honor you. You may be seated. Gracias. The, um, I, I received that help, heartfelt encouragement and blessing and affirmation. Although I think I heard a few of you, you just found a good reason to make a lot of noise in the middle of the church. So you're having a little too much fun with that, a few of you. I'm not going to name names, Roger, but it, uh, there's just a few of you there. Um, so, good morning. Hope everyone had an awesome Christmas, that you enjoyed uh, time with family and that you were blessed. Uh, Dave, Pastor Dave is out of town, and uh, he... We'll be back next weekend. Um, if you would, go ahead and turn over to Galatians chapter 6. And uh, I love this time of year, um, this Christmas season, as we head into the new year. I love it for a variety of reasons. Um, not all of it because of gifts. Uh, specifically this year, we got our family some virtual reality stuff. And uh, somebody texted me from Mexico the other day and they said, how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing well, except that I was riding on a roller coaster in my basement. And they're like, what? And uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. So I... That's where we have our virtual reality set up. And so I was on a roller coaster, virtual reality, and uh, got sick for about the next two hours after that. I'm thinking there's, it's more reality than virtual. It's like, hey, I wish the sickness was only virtu- virtual, but it was real. I was like, yeah, I felt all nauseous afterwards. So anyways, uh, but I love this time of year, not just because of gifts and everything, uh, but the greatest gift of all is salvation. And um, a lot of you know that yeah, I was raised in church. 
and uh, grateful for the, the godly family that God in his sovereignty allowed me to be birthed into. But um, my story is simply, at least this part of it, was when I was 14, I was like a lot of people, okay? Uh, I went to church. That was just a part of our life. as a part of our routine. My dad's a minister. Went to church. And I've shared this with a lot of people, a lot of, uh, a lot of people outside the church. And that is simply this. I was like most Americans, okay? Most people in the West. And it's simply like this. I want enough of God to keep me out of hell and get me to heaven. But when it comes to my daily life, hands off. Don't tell me what to do. That's the way most Americans live, okay? I don't say that to be judgmental or critical. I'm just saying, honestly, that's my story, and the, that's, that reflects a lot of our society. I mean, most people don't you know, go through life going, man, I, I want to go. I don't want to make it to heaven. I sure want to go to hell. No, people don't think like that. They're like, yeah, I sure hope I get there. Don't want to go to hell. Would love to go to heaven. And, uh, but, you know, really, when it comes to my daily life, God, don't tell me what to do. And that's where I was. And uh, by the grace of God, I hit rock bottom at 14. And that all, that, you know, that looks different for everybody, else, for everybody. But for me, I hit rock bottom. I was tormented with thoughts of suicide. I was miserable with life. Uh, I was just depressed. And I recognized by the grace of God that there was no other answer apart from Christ. And it was during the Christmas break, my eighth grade year, uh, that God rescued me, broke in, and revealed to me my desperate need for him. And to just surrender him and follow him. And I want to encourage you, if that's you this morning, if you find yourself in that place and you honestly admit and say, you know what? I recognize that I'm in a place where that's kind of been how I've been. I've just wanted enough of God to get out of hell and go to heaven. But really with my daily life, leave me alone. Man, today, just like a number of years ago during this season that I surrender to follow Jesus. Man, this is the perfect time. At the end of 2018, as we're about to embark on a new year, to surrender and give your life to Christ and follow him. And uh, I guarantee you will never regret it. doesn't mean it's easy, but you'll never regret it. And I'm so thankful that God's grace broke in and set me free. I'm so thankful for that. He's a really good God. He's a really, really, really good Savior. He's really good. Um, two other things before we jump into the word this morning. Um, Obviously, with tomorrow being the last day of 2018, um, it's the last day for uh, my book being Book of the Month here. We have a different Book of the Month each month for our bookstore coming into Papa's presence. I've been really blessed and encouraged by feedback I've been getting on that, uh, people being ministered to through that book. Um, It's been translated into Spanish. And we are just working out the details of a few corrections on that. And it's going to be available here uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. It'll be available in Spanish as well. And uh, so I want to encourage you take advantage of that um, in the bookstore. And then the last thing is that we got the 21-day fast coming up from January 7th to the 27th. Um, I, want, I want to encourage you, pray about what you need to be doing regarding that fast. Uh, I want to encourage you, don't assume one way or the other what, what you should be doing. Ask the Lord how you need to participate in that fast. And, um, you know, whether that's 
a full, complete fast, no eating for 21 days. Let me, let me just say this. If you've never fasted a day in your life, I would encourage you not to try to fast for 21 days straight. Okay. Take it in smaller increments. All right. Uh, but find, you know, whatever it is that you haven't done. The main idea is stretch yourself. Okay. And I want to, I want to encourage you with this as well, that when this time of fasting, it's not just fasting. It's not just abstain from food. It's prayer and fasting. The focus is the father. It's not the absence of food like that. Staying away from food is a means to an end, but the focus needs to be the father, not staying away from food. Okay. So that fasting is a means to an end. It's to draw closer to him. It's to tune our hearts to him. It's to tune out other things like the desires of the flesh, which is just normal and good food. Praise God for food. We all need it. And a lot of us really like it. But to say no to the flesh and to say, I'm going to focus in on the father. So I want to encourage you because uh, I think what can happen sometimes is we're just kind of busy with life, and then all of a sudden we wake up and it's like, oh, it's January 7th. It's, oh, it's a 21-day fast. What am I supposed to do? And it's a little late for that. And, and the other thing would be this. Rarely do we ever wake up and go, wow, I just feel like going without food for the next few weeks. If you wait till you feel like fasting, you'll never get around to it, okay? So just be proactive and take this next week to be, really be praying and going, God, how do you want me to participate in that fast? And listen to the Holy Spirit. He'll show you. He knows what you need. He knows exactly where you're at, what you can handle, and how he wants you to be stretched. He knows all those details. So just ask him. Sound like a good plan? All right. So um, I'm excited uh, about the goodness of God. We have a really, really good God. We have a really, really good Father. And... Uh, I got a few passages that I want us to look at, but uh, I want to share this morning a little bit about preparing for 2020. Because, man, I'm excited. God's a good God. Because in 2020, God wants to move mightily in your life. He wants to bless you, He wants to empower you because 2020 is going to be an awesome year. Now, some of you are looking at me like, whoa, what's He talking about? This is, this is confusing. Are you, are you not aware that God wants to prepare us for 2020? Okay. Some of you are looking at me like I got the wrong year. I'm sorry. Didn't you know that you've already had the whole year to sow into what 2019 is going to look like? So if we're talking about being prepared and planning, well, then we have 2019 to sow into what 2020 is going to look like. Because the fact is, we've spent this whole year, okay, tomorrow's the last day, we've spent this whole year sowing into, for better or for worse, we've been sowing into what 2019 is going to look like. Now, I believe in the laws of sowing and reaping, okay? It's biblical. But I admit, it's not an exact science that I understand. Okay, I don't think that, like, the doors close tomorrow and, well, that's it. You've sown everything for next year and it's all fixed. Okay, it's all settled. I don't think that's the case. I don't think heaven's calendar is exactly man's calendar here in the West, okay, to say, beginning of 2019, sorry, the only good you can get is what you sowed in 2018. I'm thankful it doesn't work like that. But there are 
there are the laws of sowing and reaping. And there is a, there is a sober-minded understanding that we need to have of grasping that, man, we've had all year to sow into 2019. And so I'm not saying it's all set in stone because I don't believe it is. But, man, there's a whole lot of what's going to happen in 2019 that was predicated upon what we sowed already this year. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. So I got good news for you and I got bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Okay. The bad news is you reap what you sow. But now I got good news for you. You reap what you sow. It just depends on what you're sowing, whether it's good news or bad news. Okay. So I want us to look at this passage, Galatians chapter six. And let's take a look at this. Let's go to verse seven. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. That's pretty intense. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. How many, how many of you heard the theme of perseverance coming forth in worship this morning? Perseverance, okay? So, it's fascinating to me in this passage, okay? It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The ESV says a man reaps whatever he sows. I believe the ESV says whatever, okay? That's, that's pretty amazing, okay? Here's... What's amazing to me about this is that you can go anywhere on the planet. It doesn't matter your economic background, your ethnic background, your religious background. You know, God's graced me in the privilege of ministering in different parts of the earth. And what I've noticed is the law of sowing and reaping, while we know it very clearly here in Iowa because we're farmland here in the Midwest, but that same principle works in Asia as it does in Central America, as it does in South America, as it does in Europe. It's just woven into the fabric of the planet that we reap what we sow. Now, some people would look at this, and I understand why, and they would say, well, hey, this has to do about with money because you back up a little before that, and he talks about um, each should test his own actions and he can take pride in himself without comparing himself with somebody else for each one should carry his own load. Any, verse 6, anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Well, that's awesome. Um, and then right after that, you jump down to verse 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. But I don't think the focus is money, specifically because he says, whatever a man sows, that will he reap. So whatever that is, whatever you happen to be sowing, that's what you're going to reap. The other thing is this, is that he says, if you sow to the sinful nature, you're going to reap destruction. That's not money. That's just sowing to the sinful. So obviously he's talking a whole lot more here than money to me. Okay. And it's just struck me lately how much seed And sowing is mentioned in the word of God. And we're only going to look at a few passages this morning. But man, it is a lot in the word of God. 
And the reason why it's in the word of God so much is because God wove it into the fabric of our planet. It's just how things work. And the word of God is chock full of sowing and the power of seeds and reaping harvest. So um, here's one of the things about this. I want you to think of, and for a moment, we'll forget about 2019 or 2020. We'll just say the next season of your life, okay? How many are prepared to have an amazing next season full of glory, full of victory, full of power? Awesome. Woo! Yeah. A shout of hallelujah, a victorious shout of faith. Now, the question is going to be, how's that going to happen? Yay! I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. What's going to be different about this next season from your last season? See, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, man, I love the victorious shot of faith. Man, I love to, I want to grow in faith. I want to increase in faith. I want to be a man full of victory in the word of God. I have a faithful perspective and I believe God wants to take us all there. But there is a practical outworking of this. There is a practical impl- uh, implementation that we need to do in our lives if we're going to get there. Because for our lives to be victorious and full of glory and full of victory, that's not going to happen randomly. Okay. Fred was sharing that at the end of worship. It's not just going to magically appear, okay? So you need to ask yourself, a lot of us have heard that phrase, if you have only do what you've always done, you're only going to get what you've always got, okay? So what's going to be different about the next season in your life? I would propose to you that a whole lot of it is going to be sowing. It's what you're going to be sowing is going to determine the reaping that comes in the next season of your life. And you might say, man, I got a prophetic word in my life. I got this prophetic word that God is going to do this and this and this and this. Awesome. I'm glad for those prophetic words. Go for it. Believe it. But one of the ways that you can mix your faith with it is to sow into those dreams and those prophetic words and those prophetic promises. Not to just sit back on the sovereignty of God and whether your your perspective of the sovereignty of God is it's all fixed, Nothing you can do to change it. Everything's predetermined. Or your view of sovereignty would be, well, God gave me a prophetic word, so it's going to happen. Either way, the fact is, this is what the word tells us. It does not say, a man will reap whatever God predetermined ahead of time you would reap. It doesn't say that. See, if everything was already predetermined, if everything was already chosen ahead of time to just say, this is how it's going to work out and you have nothing to do with it, you can't change a thing, then why would he put that in the word? Why would he say something like, hey, be careful about what you're sowing into because whatever you sow into, you're going to reap. If everything was predetermined by the sovereignty of God, there's nothing you can do about it, then he wouldn't put that in there. And the word is full of passages like this. That are cautions, warning, admonition, and and in this case, encouragement. Because if you sow to the Spirit, man, there's going to be blessings. There's going to be eternal rewards. There's eternal life to be reaped. That's why that part of it's good news. So obviously, not everything is in a fixed state. You and I get to determine that. And so even if you're like, man, I got a prophetic word. This is what God's going to do. Okay. We just had a precious young woman stand up here and say, God's called me to go minister in other nations. 
How many think that's awesome? See, I'm gonna, she said she's leaving, if I remember right, in three days. Here's what I, I doubt she did. I'm going to sit on my couch and, God, when you're ready to transport me to the nations, just take me there. Meanwhile, I'll see what else is on Netflix. God, I'm just going to binge on Netflix, and whenever you're ready, you can just take me there. God, just transport me magically to Australia. No, we wouldn't use that term. We're, we're Christians. Spiritually, transport me, because we're not into magic. Spiritually, transport me to Australia. No, she's leaving in three days. I'm assuming you've bought your ticket by now. She's made some plans. She's made some preparations. There is a, there is a co-laboring. There's a work. There's an effort that's there. She's not earning her call to the nations. But what she is doing is she's cooperating with the word of God in her life. And she's doing the practical work behind the scenes to make sure that happens. And so when I read this passage of scripture, I can't just default to the sovereignty of God or even prophetic words over my life. I have to sow into them and get my heart, my life lined up and prepared. This is what the word is. This is what he says. God is sovereign, but it doesn't say you reap whatever God has determined beforehand in his sovereignty what you will reap there's, and that there's nothing you can do about it. The question is, Some of you have heard a phrase along these lines before. Does life happen to you or do you happen to life? It is our job to make sure we are continually sowing good seed. It's God's job to give us a harvest. You see, I can't just... Like, for anyone who just says, Hey, just grab principles of faith from the word and then your life is going to turn out like this. That sounds nice, but at the end of the day, that's crazy talk. It's not biblical, okay? There is no formula that's going to guarantee you this or this or this, okay? But we are talking about a principle from the word of God of sowing and reaping. Here's where this gets hard and where this gets tricky. Is we, all, we, we wind up reaping more than what we've sown, which really needs to put the fear of God in us when it comes to sowing bad seed, when it comes to sin. But it also really needs to encourage us when it comes to sowing good seed in obedience to the word of God. Okay? That needs to encourage us. But the other thing is this. There's always a time delay. I've, I've never known of a farmer. Okay, two things. I don't know of any Iowa farmers who say, you know what? I think I'm just going to get some seed. Planting season's coming up. I'm going to go to the store. Ah, because, man, we need a huge crop of corn this year. So give me some seed. I'm going to go someplace, buy some seed. What do you need? I don't know. Just give me whatever. I'll take some apple seeds, some pumpkin seed, throw in a little bit of corn maybe, throw in whatever these other seeds, and we'll just put it out there, and I'm hoping to get some corn. How many think that'd be a little crazy? Smart farmers don't do that. They're like, if I want to reap corn, what do I have to plant? Corn. I know this is really deep. John promised you this is going to be really deep, okay? Profound things from the word. But if you want corn, you have to plant corn, okay? You can't just randomly throw out whatever seed. You have to be very practical and intentional in going, if this is the harvest that I'm after, then this is what I need to sow. The other thing is this. I don't know of a farmer yet who's gone out, took all that time, invested all that effort and energy and finances, and planted the corn, and then the next day stood there angry, swearing at the ground, going, where's my harvest? 
where's the corn? It doesn't work like that because there's a process to sowing and reaping. And there has to be patience in between time. The word of God also speaks of that, about that patience and that perseverance in the process. You see, I've talked to men who have used, hurt, abused, betrayed their spouse. Patterns of neglect, not tending to their heart and wounding their spouse for years. And then they're like, oh, man, but I I recognize it now. I'm changing. Oh, man, I've repented and I'm going to go after God and I'm going to obey God. I'm going to treat my wife right. And after two weeks, when their wife is still resentful and their heart's not connected, they're like, what's going on? Man, I repented. I've changed. She doesn't see it. Well, yeah, that'd be nice if she saw it. But two weeks is probably not going to erase 20 years. I'm not picking on men, okay? I'm not giving excuses for women to be angry at their husbands. I'm just saying that regardless of what the relationship is, there is a process of sowing and reaping. And you're probably not going to erase 20 years of bad behavior with two weeks of good behavior. And I've warned people. I've warned men. I'm like, dude, listen, don't grow weary in well-doing. Paul tells us here. So you're starting to sow good seed, but you're still in the process of reaping what you've sown for years. Give it enough time, and that good seed is going to overtake the bad harvest, and you're going to start to get a good harvest. But don't shake your fist at your wife and be offended that after two weeks she doesn't believe in you. Trust the process. Trust that God is a good God and persevere now that you've repented and you're starting to sow good seed. And I've seen too many people shoot themselves in their foot and not get the restoration that they were hoping or waiting or wanting because instead of persevering in the process, they got frustrated with God and said, oh God, you're taking too long. Perseverance is a part of that process. Is this making sense? Okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's not up to us to determine when our harvest is going to come. It's just up to us to continue to sow good seed. And there's a process for that. And that process, that perseverance, as Paul tells us in Romans 5, and then James reiterates it in chapter 1, James, that that produces maturity. Okay? That's what God's after. Paul calls it character. And James calls it maturity. But there, in that process, that's what God wants to produce. Mature, godly character, Christ-likeness in our lives. And that's what he's after. And it, we have to embrace that process of understanding that, look, I can't just snap my fingers and get a harvest when I want it. That's God's job. My job is to be faithful, to obey the word of God, love others well, and sow good seed. So let's go over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. I, I love and hate this scripture. Can I say that from the pulpit? Is that, is that legal for a pastor to say something like that? I know the first part's fine. I love this passage, but to say I hate it, ooh, I don't know, that's a little strong. Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you, if we see it at face value for what it is, it should bother us at least somewhat and put at least a little bit of healthy fear in us. Okay. Luke chapter six, verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. 
Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Remember, Pastor John promised we're going to be bringing deep things out of the word of God this morning. Okay? So if you don't want to be judged, what should you do? Ah, very good. Don't judge. Okay. If you do not want to be condemned, what should you avoid doing? Condemning others. This is profound, isn't it? Look, I know that there are mysteries in the word of God that uh, we don't fully grasp. And like I said, the the whole law of sowing and reaping, I I don't understand all of those. I don't understand it all because I think there's several different dynamics that are at work there, okay? But a lot of the word of God is very simple. It's very simple. And maybe sometimes the reason why it appears complex is because we're looking for some other meaning rather than just dealing with it at face value going, ouch. I'd rather make it more spiritual. Like, oh, it must mean this over here rather than just the black and white daily life, daily living smack me between the eyes from the word of God. Okay, we'll give another run at this. If you want to be forgiven... What must you do? Hope this isn't too deep for anybody, okay? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given you. If you want to receive, what do you need to do? Give. Is this too complicated? Sometimes I find that the most powerful parts of the Word of God are just the simple things that are right there in I was going to say in black and white, but you might have it in red letter. Okay. That's going to, it's just simply right there for you. Okay. And also another aspect to this is simply that there are things in the Bible that I want to move on to other mysteries in the word. But here's the thing. There are simple things that are stated in the word of God that I easily forget. Like I want to make an excuse why I have a right to judge or to condemn or why I shouldn't give or whatever. And he, Jesus just tells us simply, okay, if you don't want to be condemned, then don't condemn. If you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive. That's just putting it right out there. It's another way of saying you reap what you sow. Now, how does grace factor into this? I don't know. All the ways that it does. I am thankful that God is a gracious God. Okay, I'm thankful that Jesus reaped at the cross what I sowed. Because he took my sin upon him so that I could reap what he sowed and get his righteousness. Okay, it's grace. I didn't earn it. How many are thankful for that? I'm so thankful for that. But lest we just say, oh, well, you know, that whole thing about sowing and reaping. It's not, you know, grace... Grace is bigger than all of that. Well, yeah, maybe it's bigger, but here's the thing. It's still biblical. Because, number one, Jesus himself, Jesus himself is teaching on this principle. Number two, you go post-cross, post-resurrection, and we get into the writings of Paul. And who was, who do we get the greatest revelation of the grace of God from? The Apostle Paul, from his epistles, okay? Okay. And yet Paul himself is teaching us, hey, 
Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And so Paul's admonishing us, encouraging us, and warning us. There is a very real law of sowing and reaping. So the guy that we get the greatest revelation of the grace of God from is the one who's telling us, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. This needs to make us sober-minded. I remember hearing a few years ago, Graham Cook, from England, known as a prophet, years ago hearing him talk about how he was, I don't remember the details, but basically like at his church or ministry, he was really struggling with people who were under him and uh, who were leaders under him. Okay, he's like the senior leader of this ministry and he's having all these problems with people not submitting to his leadership. And he's like, God, he's fasting, he's praying, he's rebuking, he's binding, he's trying to help fix these situations. But God, what's going on? And the Lord was like, do you remember the last job that you had a number of years ago before you entered ministry? Do you remember how you used to talk about your boss behind the scenes? Do you remember when other people, other disgruntled employees would want to gather together and talk about what an idiot he was? And you, even if you didn't say anything, you joined in with your heart and your attitude and you listened to it? Yeah. You're reaping what you've sown. Oh, God, what do I do? So he got in his car, drove several hours to another city, looked this man up, went to him, who apparently was apparently quite the jerk, apparently. God didn't say the guy wasn't a jerk. He was just saying, I'm holding you responsible for your attitude, okay? So he looks the guy up, (laughs) finds the address, goes to his house. Hey, jerk, I mean, uh, Ralph, okay, whatever his name was, Ralph, I don't know if you remember me. I worked for you a few years. Yeah, what do you want? Um, Well, I just... I just want to apologize to you because sometimes behind the scenes, I was rather critical and I ran you down and I didn't always speak well of you. And I'd like to ask you your forgiveness. Really? Well, that's stupid. All right, fine. Get out of here. That was the guy's response. Proved he really was a jerk. But nonetheless, nonetheless, as stupid as he felt in doing that and driving several hours to go do that, He knew he was obedient to the Lord in that case. And he said, okay, God, Lord, I did my part. And it was left in the hands of God. And whatever that thing that was going on in his life and ministry at the time was broken. I heard that story several years ago. That put the fear of God in me. And I'm thankful for grace. But I also recognize that I can't escape these biblical principles. We reap what we sow. Okay, again, I know this is really profound, but let's do it one more time. If you want to reap corn, what do you need to sow? If you want to reap soybeans, what do you need to sow? If you want to reap love, what do you need to sow? If you want to reap forgiveness, what do you need to sow? If you want to reap generosity, what do you need to sow? Okay. That's real basic. But I know as human beings... As followers of Jesus, Pentecostal, charismatic followers of Jesus, we can still have a tendency to forget that. 
Go to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And as you turn there, um, to me, such a powerful part of what, what we just read that Jesus said. He said, Given will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will be measured to you. He ends it with this. He says, and with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. You know what he doesn't say? Hey, God has predetermined what's going to be measured to you. Who sets the measurement of what you're going to receive? You. That's altogether scary and empowering at the same time. How many of you only need just a little? Here, let me do this. This cap to my water bottle. We pour some water in there that represents mercy and grace. How many of you only need just a little bit of mercy and grace? Just need just a tiny little bit. I mean, you're so righteous and holy and you, you only screw up maybe once every decade. You only need just a tiny little mercy and grace. Anybody? Because if that's all you need, well, that's all you need to give. But I really doubt that there's any of us in this room that only need a little bit. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of mercy and grace. I'm a desperate beggar. I'm in desperate need of the grace of God in my life every day. I need his supernatural strength. I need his divine enablement. I need his divine empowerment. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I need his help. So if I'm going to reap If I'm going to get, if I'm going to receive the mercy and grace that I need, if I need a truckload of mercy, can I get by with just giving a little bit of mercy to others? If I need a truckload of grace, can I get by with just eking out a little drop to someone every now and then? No, I can't. Let me tell you something. The next season of our life, okay, whether it's 2019 or as I'm saying, we're going to show into 2019 for what 2020 is going to look like, whatever that's going to look like, it's not just based on the sovereignty of God and it's not just predicated upon the prophetic words. And we love the prophetic and we believe in prophetic words and we honor that. But it's not just going to be based upon that. It's going to be determined by what we're sowing into the people, into the environment around us. And if you want to, if you, if you need to, and I say we all need to, but if you want to receive, if you want to be the recipient of a truckload of mercy and forgiveness and grace, then you can't get by with just sowing and giving a little drop of grace here or there. If you're going to receive, if you're going to reap a truckload of grace, you've got to give a truckload of grace. Jesus said that, the measure that you receive is going to be determined by what you give. You determine that amount. It's like a boomerang. You throw it out there, and it's coming right back at you. I do not want a curse-filled, angry, judgmental boomerang. Because whatever I throw is coming back at me. 
I want a very soft, gentle one. In case it smacks me upside the head, I want a soft one laden with blessings, grace, and mercy. Because I'm throwing it out there and it's coming right back at me. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Now, this context, he is talking about money. But it is just, it's a principle that can be applied to money and a thousand other things. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then he goes on to speak more about seed. But this is, these are just simple principles that Paul is driving home. And the reason why I'm hitting on this this morning is because I need to be reminded of it. You need to be reminded of it. We are knuckleheaded human beings. Now, dearly loved by God, but we're knuckleheaded human beings. We tend to forget. And the word has it plainly set before us. And yet, I tend to forget this. And we get caught up in our life, in our frustrations, in, in challenges and difficulties in life, and we tend to forgive it. Forget it. And then we tend to think, well, I have a reason why I can't be generous. I have a reason why I can't forgive. I have a good reason why I should judge that person. I have a good reason. And all this kind of stuff that sounds very rational in our minds. But at the end of the day, we're missing out. We're forfeiting the blessing that God has for us. You see, some people might say, and I've heard this. It's like, well, I don't care what you reap. We just need to give and we need to do the right thing no matter whether there's any reward or not. How many would agree we need to do the right thing regardless of the outcome? Amen? And I believe in that. Like that needs to be our heart attitude. If, and I think one of the ways that God tests the purity of our heart is when we do what's right and we don't get the expected outcome like we wanted or when we wanted. And then that's a test for our heart. Well, I forgave, but he was still a jerk. I mean, like the story with Graham Cook. I mean, the guy... Graham's humbling himself and apologizing to this guy, and the guy was still a jerk. But it doesn't matter because it's ultimately between me and God. It's not about between me and them. I just got to take responsibility for my part. In that process of sowing and reaping, there has to be a perseverance to go, you know what? God, no matter the outcome, I'm just going to honor you. And so I agree that there has to be a purity of heart that just says, regardless of the outcome, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to obey you. Okay? We see that in Scripture. There's tons of people who radically obeyed God and they were murdered. Not the outcome I'm looking for. Okay? They suffered greatly. Not the outcome I'm looking for. But if God had no interest in us knowing the benefits of obedience or the result of what we sow, he would have never put it in the word. He would have just said, just sow and forget about how it turns out. No, he's making it clear, but you will reap what you sow. 
And if you want to be forgiven, then you got to forgive. And if you don't want to be condemned, then don't, for, don't condemn. And if you want to be forgiven, then please go ahead and forgive. He's letting us know the, the benefits of the kingdom of God, the benefits of following Jesus. God does not have a problem with that. And he's wise enough to sometimes delay that process so there's not an immediate harvest that will test our hearts and deal with our real motivation because he's a really good father like that. Okay? Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Go to Matthew 6. And this is, I think, the last verse we'll look at. Matthew 6. Matthew 6, and then we're just going to look at wrapping it up with practical application. Matthew 6. Go to verse 14. 614. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Woo! Hallelujah! Verse 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ooh, bummer. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm saved and I'm justified by grace through faith. And so I know, man, I read the epistles and I know that I'm saved. And so you're going to tell me that I forfeit my salvation when I, if I don't do this, if I got bitterness in my heart and I'm not forgiven. So are you saying that I, no, I'm not saying all that. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I'm just telling you what the author and finisher, the perfecter of our salvation said. That if you want to be forgiven, you got to forgive. Period. This is what he says. And he has every right to do that. Because he's forgiven us of millions and millions of sins and the ways that we've taken him for granted over and over and over again. And when you go back to the parable of the unmerciful servant, All he's asking us to do is forgiving some other people of a few pennies that they owe us. Because he's forgiven us a multi-billion dollar debt. So he's not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done in a much more extreme way. He's a really good God. He's a really good savior. So let me ask you this. What's your next season going to look like? I would propose to you, it's probably not going to look any different or much different if the only thing you do is what you've always done. If you want to live with different results in your life in this next season, you need to say, then what is the seed that I need to sow? What's the harvest that you're after? What's the harvest that you're after? My wife and I, we are going to spend some time over the next two days, the last day of the year and the first day of the year. We're going to be dreaming together for this next season. Dreaming together as a couple, dreaming together as a family of things we want to see happen. But we're not just going to leave it to dreams. We're going to go, God, give us wisdom on some goal setting and to be practical, to set this into motion. 
to not just wake up five years from now and go, gee, what happened? I don't know how we got here. Where we're at is because we sowed what we sowed into our life. And for this next season of your life, wherever you want to arrive, there's going to be specific seed that you're going to need to sow. Here are some things that we can sow. Our time. Love for our spouse, for our family, toward our enemies. That's what Jesus talks about. Things we can sow. Money, tithe, offering, giving to the poor. Giving to missions. A few years ago, uh, a couple years ago, we found a refugee family that came from a war-torn nation. I don't know if you know that, but we have a number of those in the Des Moines area. We're blessed to have those people in our midst and to find somebody. You know, this is a large family that came, had to escape war and landed here. And to just go out and buy them Christmas gifts. Find somebody to sow into. Find somebody to bless. Time in the word. Sow your time into the word of God. Time in worship and prayer. You can sow in by evangelism, encouragement. Proverbs says, uh, he who refreshes others, will he himself be refreshed? Is that too deep? Or is that pretty simple? It's pretty simple. If you want to be refreshed, refresh others. Okay? Encouragement. All right? Um... If you only read the Bible five minutes a day, stretch yourself and go for 10. If you read for 10 minutes a day, go for 20. If you've never fasted at all, fast a meal. If that's the most you've ever done, then go for a whole day. Look at, be practical. Ask the Holy Spirit to apply this in a very practical way to your life in this next season. Say, what do I need to do? What's the practical application here? I want to encourage you with this. If you're taking notes, just write this down as we wrap this up. What is one area you'd like to reap a better harvest in? What is one area you'd like to reap a better harvest in? Or in other words, get better results. Is it in your marriage? So intimacy with God? Is it knowing his word? Write it down and then ask God how I can sow better into this area of my life. Be intentional. Look, I love the moving of the Holy Spirit. I love Holy Ghost times, man. I preached here a few weeks ago, preached on worship, kind of a blowout time at the end. Woo, people were getting really happy. And it was good. And I love that. I love the moving of the Holy Ghost, those spontaneous times. I love that. But there has to be a corresponding intentionality in our lives, okay? An intentionality. Write it down and then ask God said, how can I sow better into this area of my life? Number two, who do I need to forgive and let go of judgment towards? Write it down and bless them. If there's someone you've been critical of, commit to pray for them and bless. And answer your phone when it rings. Outside of the sanctuary. Um, Okay, if there's someone you've been struggling, being critical toward, pray for them. And don't pray like this. God, show them what an idiot they are. God, open the eyes of their heart. Show them what a jerk they are. That's not the kind of praying. I'm praying. Bless them. God, bless them. Promote them at their work. 
that can be really hard if you're working with them and they get promoted above you. But God bless them, prosper them, bless their marriage, bless their family, bless their income. Lord, bless them, reveal yourself to them. Teach me how I can love them better. Target it in a very specific way. Write it down and say, God, I'm going to target this person that I've struggled with. God, I'm going to target them in prayer to bless them this year. All right. I want us to go ahead and stand. My apologies. Is this too deep and mystical? I'm going to read one last verse as we stand. And it's out of 2 Corinthians 8. Paul says in verse 2, out of, the, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. He says, out of their severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. I'm going to tell you when I read that verse, I'm like, extreme poverty. How can you give if you're in extreme poverty? And yet he says, they welled up with rich generosity. Here's how most of us as human beings think. Oh man, I'd sure love to be a giver. Oh, I'd sure love to give, man. If I just had money, because someday if I had money, if I had more money, I'd give. And then you get a, you get a bonus. You get an increase at work. And you're still, you know, but if I just had a little more than I could give. And then you, you get a little more prosperity and you're like, but you know, someday if I could, I'll give someday when I get more. You know, if we don't start now with what I have, I'll never will give. Okay. And maybe you feel like you're in po- emotional poverty in your marriage, but you can well up with rich generosity because it's a choice. It's a hard one, but it's a choice. Okay, he is talking about money here, but I want to wrap it up with this. He says, in the midst of extreme poverty, they welled up with rich generosity. Whatever area in your life where you feel like, man, there's extreme poverty in this area of my life, there's extreme lack, you can still find a way to give. I'm t- that challenges me. Does that challenge anybody, that passage? It doesn't. I know he's talking about money, but you look at any area of your life where there's lack. And he says that this people, the Macedonians, they, <laughs> their hearts were overflowing with abundant generosity. Here's what that passage tells me. I have no excuse. We're a blessed people. Okay? And you might go, well, you don't know my situation. Yeah, I, I know. But if you're saved, you're connected to the king of glory. And what that does, these passages rips the excuses out of my own heart and mind. Why justify things? And to go, you know what? Let God be true in every man a liar. He's a good, good God. He's a good God. I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we have a rich, abundant, generous, loving, compassionate Father full of mercy and grace. So I want to be like him. So you know what I want to do? I want to, even when it's hard and it hurts and it's painful, I want to sow generously. I want to forgive. I want to be gracious. And I want to bless even when it hurts. Anybody with me?
All right, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the mirror of your word. I thank you for the times, Lord, when we just we get a hold of your promises and we can we can shout with joy and delight and i love that but lord i pray that we would love the whole counsel of your word and lord i'm asking i'm asking god that your word would do a deep work in our lives and in this season we would be sober minded we would be warned but we would also be encouraged about what we're sowing into our lives into the people around us into our community into one another Every single day that God, we would be so aware that Lord, what we're sowing, we're going to reap. And I thank you that as we embrace the truth of your word, that there's going to be an abundant, glorious harvest of a manifestation of the goodness of God that we're going to reap in the next season as we sow faithfully today. I thank you for your word and I bless this amazing church these last two days of 2018. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a presentation from Heartland Church in Ankeny, Iowa. For more information about our ministry and its available resources, visit us on the web at heartlandchurchonline.com. Thanks for listening.